This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Feels good to be back in this seat. Just listening to the update and the promo for KJM, getting excited about free agency that tips off this Friday at 6.30 when the, the, the wheels really start to get moving. Wendy, in that update, had a soundbite where he says that teams now have to look and analyze the direction they want to go in if they were in the Dame Lillard sweepstakes because of that report last night that comes out and, and it says that he and the Blazers are are looking to continue their relationship and build a contender in Portland. I don't know how much I buy into that. To me, that reads as Portland hasn't been able to feel the offers they're looking for with Dame, and they want to maximize as much leverage as possible because I I don't know how if you're Dame Lillard, you look at what's happening in Portland and you say, yeah, I could win with this group. Yeah, the the front office can, in the next couple of weeks, put together a team I think can contend for a championship. So maybe the Blazers just haven't found what they're looking for yet, but I I still believe Dame is going to get moved at some point during this offseason, and that's going to spice some things up. I, I We'll talk more about it later because the Knicks have to make some type of a significant upgrade if they're looking to be uh, one of the players in the Eastern Conference next year. The Nets, uh, I, I would be intrigued by a Dame Lillard trade, so we'll get into that later on at 800-919-3776. I just watched the Mets do something they don't do too often, and that's win a damn baseball game. So 7-2 the final score over Milwaukee at home, treating their home crowd to a nice victory. David Peterson, who, you know, hasn't been great this year at all, 7 ERA, pitched pretty well tonight, but it was the offense that was the story. Brandon Nimmo, multiple home runs. Frankie Lindor, the much maligned Lindor because of that big contract and failing to live up to expectations. He goes oppo for a home run. You get another uh, dinger off the bat of Vogelback, and then the offense did just enough to put this game out of reach. Though in that top of the eighth inning, if you're watching, you're a Mets fan, you're thinking, oh, boy, here we go again. As the Brewers lowered the bases, got a two-run single, all of a sudden, that, that tying run is in the hole, and we're thinking, man, oh, man, is this going to happen again? But the Mets' bullpen was able to close the deal. And to me, look, must win gets thrown around far too easily. We're a little bit too liberal in, in how we utilize that word. But after the owner this afternoon tweeted out that he was going to be talking prior to tomorrow's game, this felt like a game the Mets had to win. I I don't know that you can just take one game over the course of an 162-game season and say that that was the determining factor. But based on how this team had been performing, you see the owner go to Twitter and, and voice that he he's going to be speaking. There had to have been a lot of pressure in that locker room. Buck Showalter can't lose that game tonight, so the Mets get it done. Uh, out in Oakland... The baseball team that I root for, the New York Yankees, are beginning a three-game set against the A's. All you need to know about the A's is that on the year, uh, thanks to, to, to the producers for pointing this out, Harvey and, and Julian, uh, run differential for the Oakland A's, minus 226. They they are a dreadful baseball team, 40 games under five hundred. 
Yankees should take care of business. I don't care who's in the lineup, who's out of the lineup. This is a team you must smack around. Johnny Brito on the hill uh, for the New York Yankees. But before we get to any of that, and if you want to weigh on, in on uh, the aforementioned items, hit us up. 800-919-3776. Ty D. Butler on Twitter and Instagram. I want to talk some football because as the days go by and we start getting closer and closer to camp and, and the preseason, the Jets it, playing that Hall of Fame game against the Browns August 3rd. Now it's it just, you know, some negativity surrounding it with what's happening with Joe Klecko and Darrell Rivas, which we'll get into later on. But the season just over a little over a month from unofficially beginning. I, I don't know how much stock you put into what happens in the preseason, but when you sign one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, or you trade for him rather, the the, the anticipation starts to to build pretty quickly. I came across this courtesy of NFL.com, and I would love your thoughts on it. The urgency meter, the urgency meter in the NFL, and it is the teams with the most urgency, the most pressure, heading into the season. So number one, they have the Buffalo Bills. And to me, that just is falling in line with what I've believed. I, I, I thought that the hype train with Buffalo was so premature. We wanted to award them the status that they hadn't earned. And I think it's all coming full circle now where we've seen in the Josh Allen tenure – They've been to a one AFC championship game. That's it. Kansas City has won a couple Super Bowls. Cincinnati has been to a Super Bowl. So they're not in that tier, and it's, it hasn't measured up to the expectation. So they have Buffalo on the urgency meter at number one. Number two, right here in New York, would be the Jets. And I want to know how you feel about that. The Jets being ranked second behind the Bills as far as the urgency meter, do you agree or disagree with that? So, look, to, to me, when I see the news come out about hard knocks and they might be forced to to be a part of it, that doesn't excite me just because, look, I get it. All year long, you're going to be under the spotlight. All the nationally televised games, you're going to have to get used to it. But I just don't want to see them on hard knocks. I, I don't love this idea. I don't want to see them participating in something that is creating attention that's unwanted and unnecessary. And it is a major distraction to me for a team that's looking to get back to relevancy. So when the games actually start, then sure. Lights, camera, action. Let's get this baby popping on Monday Night Football against the Buffalo Bills. But I'm not in love with the hard knocks, the being forced on them. And I guess the retort would be, look, if you are afraid of the Jets being that fragile, they can't handle a couple of cameras following them during the preseason when games aren't being played, then they are destined for failure. They're just going to collapse before your very own eyes. I get it. I just don't want to see it. But, you know, such is life. As far as the urgency meter, look, when you go all in on your quarterback the way that the Jets have with Aaron Rodgers, knowing that he is in the— at age 40, you could you could argue about to face the biggest challenge of his career, then yes, all the pressure is on. The longest playoff drought, we keep talking about it, of any North American sports team that is 12 years belongs to these New York Jets. And 
to add some fire to it, no pun intended, if the Jets miss the playoffs, let's not get it twisted. That could spell doom for both the head coach and the general manager. This has to work out. And the worst case scenario has to be them just simply making the playoffs and and not making any noise. This has to work. Because for all of the talk we give Joe Douglas and, and the adulation we bestow upon him for what he's been able to do rebuilding this program because of Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner and going out there and trading for Aaron Rodgers and the pieces he's put together on defense that had them as a top-five unit last year. For all of the praise he gets for that, and I think rightfully so, he also has to wear the badge of, wait, you've been here, what, now this is four years you've been here, you're going into year five, still haven't sniffed the playoffs, you've had a two-win season, you've had a a seven-win season, and I get the circumstances weren't ideal with you coming in here, allowing a, your, your 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 previous GM to, to go through the draft before hiring the new GM. So the Jets just had it all backwards. But at some point, the results have to matter, and the results have to be taken into consideration when we look at your job status. So pressure on him, pressure on the guy that he hired to be the head coach, Robert Sala, year one, defensive guru's defense, worse than the NFL. That improved last year, but you still missed the playoffs. So, again, the results have to matter. This this tandem doesn't come in here and, you know, gets, you, you get to just kind of waltz through this thing. You've got to deliver pressure on the GM, pressure on the head coach, and then pressure on one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, Aaron Rodgers. This was a guy who, who had the option of staying in Green Bay the weaker conference, and continuing your relationship with that organization. But you chose to bolt and come here because you felt you gave this team and this team gave you the best chance of competing for a championship. So as far as that urgency meter, I have to agree with it. When you look at the playoff drought, when you look at this, that that the third longest division winner drought behind the Browns and the Lions belong to two teams tied for it, the Jets and the Raiders. So you have all of this bad history just hovering over you, a cloud of misery, a a fan base that is clamoring for just something to be excited about, not just individual players and individual honors and this guy went to a pro ball and this young talent could become something special. Having relevant games in January. Being a team that every time you take the field, because of the quarterback that you have, because of the the system that you have in place, you feel can win any and every game. You're not just uh, any fan base, you know, the Chiefs, the Broncos, or, you know, the Chargers. You're looking at the schedules, going, playing your win-loss, win-loss game. Jets, oh yeah, that's a win. As has been the case the, for the last 12 years, opposing fan bases can look at the Jets that way because they've been such a joke, such a disaster, such a dumpster fire where you can't even take them seriously. They can't get out of their own way. There is a sense of urgency because I think they can win this division. I think if things break right, right, 
they can get to an AFC championship game. Now, I'm not going to get drunk on just Jet Kool-Aid. I still have the Chiefs and the Bengals in a tier of their own. Those are the two best teams in football, the two best teams in the conference. But everyone else, I think, can be had. And as you progress through the season and you, you see what happens and what works and the moves that you're able to make and coaching starts to kind of take control of this team in a positive way and, and, and manifest itself, I think you can absolutely dream of something big, which is why that NFL.com list teams with the most urgency that has the Jets number two, I completely agree with. 800-919-3776. We'll get to your phone calls on the Jets. We'll talk some Giants as well. Saquon Barkley. I mean, do people actually think he's going to sit out this year? There's no way that that happens. And we got to visit an old friend, someone who continues to hate on the Jets for whatever reason. I I don't know if he's trolling or or, or what the case is, but we'll hear from uh, a a well-known ESPN NFL analyst because he he just continues to double and triple down on on the take that he has that the Jets just simply aren't good. Now look, if that's if that's how you feel, then continue to wear it, continue to be confident in that. But we got some smoke for him. 800-919-3776. Ty D Butler on Twitter. We're in for Larry and Gordon tonight. Going till midnight right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Talking Jets. I Look, as a fan, there's always going to be a hint of bias that you can't escape. But I, I, I do think there's also room to be objective and acknowledge that there are things that you see that are exciting the potential of this team while also understanding and pointing out that there are a ton of question marks. The offensive line, littered with question marks. And I don't care how good your quarterback is, uh, but particularly if he's aging, you're not going to have a ton of success if that unit isn't performing uh, to the level that is conducive to winning football games. Your running back room, you have... Your 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 RB one coming off of a, a significant injury, so that's a question. Uh, could a regression happen on defense because you you were blessed with good injury luck last year, where you didn't really feel a, a, a ton of injuries? So could a regression happen there? You need more out of your safeties, and then the head coach. Do we know that he is suitable for this job? Do we know that outside of being an excellent motivator? on a, a, a Niners defensive unit that was littered with really good playmakers, two great playmakers, do we know that he can be successful at this job? So there are a lot of question marks. 800-919-3776. Let's go to Brooklyn, who's going to uh, hit, hit leadoff for us. His name is Jose. What up, Jose? What up, Ty? How, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. What's going on? Oh, definitely. Well, definitely had to show the support and shout out to the company. Wanted to definitely talk some New York Jet football. Wasn't able to earlier. Um, had got caught in the train. You know how work commute to work is. So um, this uh, Jet thing, because 
I do agree with you, and I do agree with that. Um, with the urgency, I do think that they're number two. I do think that they're number two on the list because we still, we we, we still, you know, God forbid, if we don't win at all, we we have to play the waiting game with Aaron Rodgers to see if will he or won't he come back and. Yeah, we, we, we know that we know that we know that story. And then we have to, you know, and the big question mark, like you said, with the offensive line, it's just, you know, uh, I, I'm still very concerned about it because like because we all see we all see what a bad offensive line could look like. Yep. We all saw I mean, it. In we that saw Super it last with, year. Yeah, with Kansas City. Yeah, with Kansas yeah. City and, and uh, Tampa. Mm-hmm. Exactly, where Patrick Mahomes was literally playing amazing and hitting people dead in the helmet, and people just couldn't catch the ball, and and he was still just scrambling for his life. So I, you know, and we all know that Aaron Rodgers at thirty nine forty is not going to be doing that. So we're um, that that's my huge concern. But I do want to throw this out there um, for the Bills. I could see why the Bills is number one just to riff on them because if Josh Allen doesn't get it done, how long is Saquon Diggs going to actually be patient there and actually just say, you know what? Before I got there, Josh Allen was like a 50% completion percentage quarterback. So I I like, like he, like there's going to be a frustration boiling over there if they don't get things done either. So hopefully, you know, there's going to be set up for a good season tie and I hope you have a great rest of your evening. Appreciate the call, man. You you said a lot of great stuff there. The Aaron Rodgers thing obviously is going to be one that, causes a lot of angst a lot of stress because however the season ends and if it ends shy of winning the championship you're going to be wondering who your quarterback is next year because he he as much as I love him he does he is infatuated with the drama and the desire to have his services wanted he he takes advantage of the opportunity to get people talking about whether or not he's going to return and that is going to be the biggest topic of conversation going into next offseason. If it does end shy of hoisting the Lombardi, the Lombardi Trophy. And you got to wonder about that. You're going all in on a quarterback who might just be here for one year. Now, I always thought it was the right move. I never hesitated that once he became available, you have to go get him because you simply don't have a better option. You're not going back to Zach Wilson. We saw the Mike White experience not end well last year. Uh, don't feed me Teddy Bridgewater, Bill Barnwell. And then Derek Carr, we've seen him play in one playoff game in his illustrious career that you know everyone just is, is so, so geeked about. This was the obvious move to make, and you had to make it. And we're going to wonder about you know, year to year. It's like the, the, the manager who, who leaves the— the pitcher out there, he's going to go batter to batter. That's how, that's how Aaron Rodgers treats uh, the, the tail end of his career. So we're, we're going to have to wait and see that. And uh, as far as the Bills are concerned, look, I, I got so annoyed. And I, I was so happy to see them after barely getting by Skylar Thompson and the Dolphins last year. They got blown out by the Bengals in the second round of the playoffs. It, it made me happy, one, because, you know, it's a division rival, but two— I just get so tired of the premature coronation of these teams that have never proven anything. And Josh Allen's a great quarterback. He's won an MVP. I get it. But in his time here, 
They played in one AFC championship game. It's not like this guy's gone to multiple Super or one Super Bowl. So can we see it happen first before we lay the carpet out? That's all I want to see. And, and Sean McDermott, I think, is one of the best coaches in the, in the NFL. But as you mentioned with Steph Diggs, and you know, we already saw last year after the the the, the loss to Cincinnati, left the stadium without talking to, to people. This year, you know, he, he was not at practice, and he was, and then the practice got canceled. So there's some some smoke there. We're gonna see what happens with McDermott and and, and Diggs, and and you know, some of the important decision makers in Buffalo, if this season doesn't go the way that they hope. So I'm looking forward to it. 800-919-3776. We go to Harlem. We talk to Lonnie. What up, Lonnie? Todd D. Butler, the sensei, the dojo, is finally open again. Listen, ESPN, Todd, you already know why I'm calling. ESPN, Mickey, Disney, whoever I need to speak to, John, I'll see you on Friday, I guess. But we need more Todd D. Butler. We need more sensei. We need the dojo to be open so we can kick it with Ty. Let's do it. Talk so we to can him. get the sports take from Ty. We need to know what New York City feels like almost every other night with Ty. That's, That's what we need. Let's get the sensei more hours, please. Love it, man. Ty, you already know what I've done. I've done what I came to done. Let's get more dojo time. Let's go. Shout out to the company, of course. Appreciate you, Lonnie. Appreciate the call. Appreciate the love. Yeah, yeah I would love to be on, of course. Especially... Now we got you know got the Yankees. Right now, hopefully they can right the ship. I don't love the Aaron Judge news that we got this past week, and I might might be done for the season. And if he's done for the season, the Yankees are are, are shot. But NBA free agency, talk some hoops, talk some you know NFL as we get closer and closer to 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 the preseason. So yeah, this is this is the time, man. I want to be on. Let's 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 do it. Let's talk about it. One another thing I want to mention coming up. It's the Dalvin Cook thing. And we're going to get back to your phone calls at 800-919-3776. Like, is this someone you would kick the tires on? Doesn't feel like he, he's wanted because he's still hanging out in free agency. Got kicked to the curb by his, by his former team who he had performed really well for. Dalvin Cook, is that a name that interests you? 800-919-3776. I did say we'll get to Saquon. We'll do that. Uh, wrap up what happened at City Field tonight with the Mets. Yankees right now trailing one nothing in Oakland. Uh, I, I look at I I don't care who's in your lineup, you cannot lose to a team that's forty games under four uh, five hundred. Simply can't do it. We'll be right back right here on ninety eight seven ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. We'll get back to your phone calls. Uh, Dalvin Cook is on Twitter. He's active. He He's lurking. He, he's watching the conversation uh, about him being linked to the Jets. He's liking tweets. He's, he's active right now. So it, it, the question is, would you be interested in a four-time Pro Bowl running back? And the answer for me is a resounding yes, considering that this is in my eyes at least, a marriage that makes perfect sense for both parties. The Jets, as high as we are on Brees Hall because of what we saw last year, albeit in a a small sample size before he got hurt in that Broncos game, 
we feel like the sky is the limit. He was going to, I mean, literally run away with the offensive rookie of the year, if not for the injury. But who knows, coming off of said injury, what his level of production will be. And I don't want to see the Jets, one year removed from it, run him into the ground. I don't love that all these expectations are going to be put on him so soon. And we're talking about he's running 70,000 miles per hour already off of injury. Take your time. This is this is still going to be a guy entering year two. And I, I get running backs yeah, dime a dozen, right? Like you, you get him, you run him into the ground, and then once it's time for his, his new contract, you, you franchise him or you, or you ship him off. But this is a, a ta- one of the most talented players we've seen this team have in such a long time. Take it easy. And, and Dalvin Cook, who's had four straight years of 1,000 yards plus rushing and 43 touchdowns in that span, I think would be excellent to add to this mix. So you see Tyler Conklin and Garrett Wilson giving their blessings. They're liking tweets. They're saying that the the, the room is got enough for, for for Dalvin Cook to enter the sweepstakes. And if he's trying to win a championship at this point of his career, then there are certain teams that should be of interest to you. And I think that on that list should be the New York Giants. 800-919-3776. We go to Jersey. We talk to Iggy. What up, Iggy? What's up, Ty? How are you, man? Doing well, man. Talk to me. Ah, man, my bills, man. I I hear a lot on the radio about the Jets and everything like that. We were hurt last year, man, but, you know, they always put us at number one. I know that division is ridiculously hard, but when we get another receiver, we, people sleep on us, man. They no, us. stop it. Stop it. It's like every year Vegas has you with the odds-on favorites to win the Super Bowl. Josh Allen was one of the odds-on favorites to win the MVP last year. No one's sleeping on the Bills. We know how talented you are. We know how good you can be. It's just that you have, in given what the expectations were, you've fallen short. In my eyes, considerably. Our defense was hurt significantly, though. I mean, I mean come if you on, talk man. About- you're making excuses, and now you're going to tell me about Josh Allen's elbow. Come on, man. Well, you a Jets fan, right? Yeah, I'm a Jets fan. You a Jets fan. You honestly believe with one piece, with Aaron Rodgers coming into that mix, they're going to go all the way? I mean, they're no, putting— No, I'm not, I'm not predicting they're going to win the Super Bowl next year. I'm saying that they, they are— uh, however many teams you feel is in the conversation, I think they can be a part of that conversation. But if you heard me at the start of the show, I'm not picking them ahead of Kansas City. I'm not picking them ahead of Cincinnati. I still think the Bills right now on paper should be the favorites to win the, the uh, AFC East. But I think they're in a conversation with all with Baltimore, with Baltimore, with the Chargers. You know, we're going to see an improved Denver team. So I, I think there are a lot of teams you could argue. Cleveland, what's going to happen with them with Deshaun Watson? Maybe he starts to look like himself. I think there are a lot of teams in the mix. Oh, of course. In the AFC, I mean, you're talking about probably one of the toughest divisions going out there. But, I mean, you know, I, I, coming out of the AFC East, I mean, we're stacked all around. I mean, I honestly think, you know, Denver probably has the better the better shot out of everybody. With you got a couple of young rookies, you got a couple of young players, a lot of speed. That defense has improved significantly. Uh, you know, I just laugh because it's like everybody always, yeah, even though on paper the Bills are always looking good, I'm a realistic. I, I said last year 
they weren't going anywhere. I knew we weren't going wow. anywhere. That's but that's like odd to say for a team with one of the best quarterbacks in football to just summarily dismiss their chances of, of competing. I, I just think that that's you don't think they've you you can't be honest and say they've they've disappointed the last couple of years. I thought the year before we disappointed. I thought that was our year. I think if we would have got if we would have if we would have won against. Kansas, Kansas City, City in that playoff game. Yeah. If we were to beat Kansas City, I don't I don't see anybody stopping us that year. We were solid, we were healthy, we were strong, we had all the right pieces in all the right places. We just fell short against Kansas City. I that's my personal belief. Last year, we had way too many injuries. I don't think we, we set up too many expectations for Gabe Davis. He's a he's an okay receiver. He's not that number two. If we get a number two like Cincinnati has now you're talking a whole different ballgame. Yeah, listen, I hear you, Iggy. I appreciate the call. And, and losing Brian Dable, uh, I, I thought was significant and a little underrated based on, you know, what he was able to do for Josh Allen. We, we saw what Allen looked like in his rookie season and then what he became uh, once he really got comfortable in that offense. So losing him obviously didn't help. I just don't think that the Bills, as presently constructed, because of because they ask a lot of Josh Allen, they don't have a consistent enough running game. And as you mentioned, Gabe Davis, because he had that brilliant playoff game, we looked upon him as, as the guy that was going to take that next step opposite of Diggs. Just didn't happen last year. I, I don't know with Buffalo. I, I just I, I think they should be right now the best team in the division. But I'm not going to go out there and say the Jets have no chance of stealing it for now. I saw the Jets beat them last year with zero quarterback play. Then almost beat them again. I, I don't put the Bills in the same category of, like, the Chiefs and the Bengals. We head to the BX, the Boogie Down. We talked to my guy, Buddha. What up, Buddha? What's going on, boy, boy? Yeah, what up, man? I was I was driving in, listening to you do your favorite thing. Uh, I, I, I guess your second favorite thing outside of, you know, smoking L's is lighting up Joe Douglas. <laughs> lighting up Joe Douglas. It's like one of your hobbies. But you and then you led with it when you started your show. You said exactly the same thing I said. No, bro. Like, I, I've always – no, I, I've never really – I felt that you were sometimes a bit too harsh, especially when they were, you know, in the midst of a winning seven of their first 11 games last year. But it's not like I, I come out here and disagree with everything you said. There's a lot of pressure on them. I agree with that. Yeah. Listen, um, I'm going to talk about the Jets and I talk about the NBA draft. I just say this much, though, to you, like, you know, listen, don't worry about Bill Barnwell and don't worry about the Bills. And I just say one thing, and I'm not trying to come at you, but just to correct you real quick, you said Josh Allen won an MVP. He hasn't won no MVP yet. Oh, he finished, you know, sec- um, he finished second in – yeah, yeah, he, he finished second. Uh, two years ago, he finished second. Right, that, like the caller was talking about that year when they lost the game, you know, yeah. to KC. You know, um, listen – the Jets got two things that they need to worry about, and neither one of them is Bill Barnwell or the Buffalo Bills. First thing they need to worry about is something that all teams need to worry about, and that's injury. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I fully expect to only see Aaron Rodgers in that first series of the third preseason game. You won't see him on the field any other time after that or before that or after that. And he's earned that, you know, as, at, at his age and what he's done earlier. There's nothing he needs to learn. If these guys can't learn what he's, he's teaching them in practice – then that's going to be on them. There's no reason to put him in jeopardy on the field like that. You don't need nothing silly happening. But the second thing is, and we discussed it the last time I spoke, listen, the head coaching, I mean, 
I have to see something. Yeah. You know, this year there's no excuses. All right, you got a quarterback. You can't give me that stuff about you had a quarterback. It was Sam Donald before. It was Zach Wilson after that. I mean, and I'm not telling you Zach Wilson wasn't disgusting. But listen, you have got to be able to manage, win games, come back out in the second half with a different game plan, and stop being one of the guys. You know, a lot of times the leadership positions people, they want to be the, pe- the, 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 the people that work under them. They want to be their friends. But in the NFL, what happens with that is those guys will be here longer than you will if you don't get your act together. You understand what I'm saying? So that's my two areas of concern, you know, for the Jets. Now, look, you know, you were talking about the NBA trades with Dame Dollar, and, you know, and a lot of people think, you know, I think it's smoke and mirrors too. Like you said, Portland didn't get a a deal that they wanted, and they're not going to get the deal that they want. They're they're not dealing from a position of strength, you know. But, listen, this stuff about him coming to the Knicks, you know, let me tell you something. The last time I saw a team win a championship after Clyde and Pearl with, with two guards who were under six foot three was um, 1985 with uh, Gary Clark and, and, and um, what's his name from, from Villanova. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't win championships, you know, with, with, with not Gary Clark, uh, Gary McClain and Dwayne McClain. You don't win championships in, in, in the NBA with two. You cannot have a backcourt of two little guys like that, him and Jalen Brunson, that that will not work. And he's not coming here anyway. But I have a, a trade. Like, if I was the Knicks brass, let me tell you what I'll be looking at, fam. Let me hear it. Now, check this out. You got Obi Toppin. He's never going to play here. He's not. He's never going to play here. You're playing games. You're playing games for his career. Honestly, I was not mad when I heard that. I was, when, he, when I heard that he got mad about it, I was like, about time. And I'm not saying he's going to be some star or like that, but I'm not going to sit here and let you – Sit here and play me 15 minutes, you know what I mean, for four years. And then now when I need to get a deal, I can't get nothing because I don't have nothing on tape. You take him, right? You take Fournier to match up some money. You give them another player, a McBride, and you give Mitchell Robinson. Mm. And you send them to Phoenix for DeAndre Ayton. And let me tell you why I would do that. First of all, DeAndre Ayton is better than Mitchell Robinson and Hardenstein. Uh, he's better than both of them combined. He had a bad year last year, but part of that is on him for being, you know, acting like a baby and all that. But part of that was on Monty Williams, too. His response and the way he was – he set the tone in the beginning of the year when they asked him, as you spoke to him, he said, no, why are you telling the media that? You see, you heard what Devin Booker said when, they, when he left. You thought all of those guys loved him and all that. He was like, listen, I'm good. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? The way he carried that and the way he handled that was wrong. I don't love Aiden it. I'm going to be honest. I don't love it. So first right. of all, it, there is a reason why. It's, so the Suns come out and it's like, well, we're not trading Aiden. You think that's because all of a sudden they fell back in love with him? No. It's they, they didn't have a market for him. That There, were, there was not a significant, a significant enough offer where they were going to get better. And, and a trade that sent DeAndre Ayton elsewhere. I don't love the trade, first of all, uh, from that standpoint. Second of all, listen, uh, Mitchell Robinson obviously is not a better player than DeAndre Ayton, but in terms of what Tom Thibodeau was looking for, uh, 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 a rim protector, a guy who could switch on screens, who can hold his own. We saw how, how impactful he was in that series against the Cavs. You're bringing in DeAndre Ayton, and now your front court is is Randall and Ayton. Nah, that's not doing it for me. But what? But what? But what was Ayton good at before last year? Exactly what you're talking about. Switching off screens, and he was a good rim protector. But the thing that he's not Mitchell Robinson. Was, 
He's not Mitchell but, Robinson. But listen, but where's Mitchell Robinson got you? Where's Mitchell Robinson got you? No, you I can get play it. Hardenstein and and Aiton. You can play. You can you can actually have times where both of them are on the floor. You're getting nothing from Toppin. That's a it's a waste of a player. And Aiton will give you fifteen. Listen, to be honest with you, if you look at if you put Aiton on the Knicks, there how many centers in the Eastern Conference are better than that? Embiid. Well, but, Brooke Lopez, maybe, maybe not. Come on. Yeah, no, that, it's, that, that could be something that could help them. Listen, if I'm Phoenix, uh, I do the trade, and I appreciate the call just because you need depth. And if you're getting, would you say, Fournier, who's can be a three-point shooter, uh, McBride, who's a nice uh, uh, defender, and he, he struggled with his three-point shot, but you would hope that with Booker and, and KD on the floor, he's going to get a lot of open jumpers and and hopefully there's some progression there uh and, and Mitchell Robinson filling an area where they desperately needed because of his his length and his athleticism defensively he's going to be a game changer if you're Phoenix that's a that is a deal you you hop on of course but if I'm the Knicks I've got no interest in eight and there's no market for him so now I'm giving up players I, I really like and potentially some draft capital to bring in a, a guy who quit on his team in the playoffs, I'm sorry, no thanks. We go to Queens to talk to Ken. What up, Ken? Hey, Ken. Yeah, how you doing? What's up, man? Talk to me. Okay, uh, you know, just just on the Bills, real quickly. My brother-in-law is such a big Bills fan, and he hates last season. I was calling his boy Josh Allen T O M. He's a turnover machine between the, his fumbles and the interceptions he threw last year. Man, he took a step backwards, all right? I'm not worried about the Buffalo Bills. But as far as you're telling me about Mr. Cook, I sign him in the New York Minute because, like you said, we, you don't want Hall. You know, he thinks he's ready, but you won't know if he's ready to training camp mm-hmm. and actually until the season starts. Okay, so you get a you need all the depth you can get on this team, all right? And then you keep them away from your competitors, the Dolphins, the Patriots, okay? We need this guy because, look, the New York Jets, you know what I know as fans, they are cursed. Who loses a safety in training camp when there's no contact? What team loses their safety for the season already with ACL tear? And you know somebody else big on the Jets is going to get hurt in training camp or the preseason. You know you're going to lose somebody to an ACL just like we saw last year. Don't speak that into existence, Ken. We we can have nice things for once. No, we're jinx. We're we're jinx. The Jets (laughs) are curse if they're not cursed i don't know who is oh man well i i appreciate the call ken <laughs> kind of because you're putting that bad juju into the air but man that like i've thought about it i'm not gonna lie the significant injury the impending significant injury because we know it's gonna happen we are conditioned as jet fans to think that whatever could go wrong is going to go wrong especially when you now have the most anticipated season you've had probably since, what, 2010, when you were coming off an AFC championship game. But please don't put that into the atmosphere. Coming up, bad news for Yankees fan. I'll give you an update on the game. 800-919-3776. We return with your phone calls right here on 98.7 ESPN. 
This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Before to break some bad news for the Yankees, Josh Donaldson just hit a home run. Now you can ask, how, how in the world could that be possible? He just cut a two-run deficit in half and put the Yankees in better position to come back from what would be an utter embarrassment of a loss against the worst team in baseball, 40 games under 500. Well, the reason why it's bad news is because it, it could serve as like confirmation bias. The Yankees are holding on to hope that Josh Donaldson is going to find something, despite the fact that he's hitting 136 and he was awful last year. He's just going to find something to the point where he's batting six tonight and maybe ego, they're, they're trying to pacify his ego. So they're just going to keep running him out there. And if he hits home runs, then it, it, it gives them more reason to, to have a longer leash. Of course, I'm, I'm rooting for them to win the game. And any offense from anyone is is optimal. But the Josh Donaldson stuff, I mean, I, I just get tired of watching him. Yankees right now down a, Two to one. Quickly, because I teased it earlier, here's uh, the latest on Saquon via Jeff Darlington. He basically said, we'll wait till July 17th. We'll see what the final best offer is from the Giants, and me and my family will step back and make a decision. And truly, I think that's what we're down to at this point. Generally speaking, when these deals do go down to that July 17th deadline, it is the days just before when essentially we'll hear from the Giants if they want to step up and increase the offer, or we'll put it on Saquon. He either takes that deal, or he has to, on July 18th, either decide he's going to hold out for training camp and potentially this season, a la Le'Veon Bell, Mm-hmm. Or he's going to play on the franchise tag and uh, and move forward next season. So basically, July 17th is the date that we should be watching. I would say that both sides have played this pretty well so far during the offseason. The Giants are prioritizing roster building and doing so in an efficient and responsible way. We've seen historically you don't pay running backs big-time money because it just doesn't age well. And the Giants under Joe Shane and Brian Dable are in the process of getting this team back to what they hope is Super Bowl championship contention. And part of the blueprint can't be overpaying what is becoming an overvalued position because you can just run them into the ground once you draft them and replace them. Now, this goes back to Dave Gettleman because why in uh, why in God's name are you drafting a running back second overall? But uh, neither here nor there. As far as Saquon is concerned, look, he feels like he's worth more money. Who, who am I to tell him otherwise? But once we get to the, well, should he sit out the season, can he do it? I think that's crazy. I just don't see it happening. I don't see what the benefit would be. Of course, it kills the Giants because they're losing their best weapon after they just paid their quarterback big-time money. But for Saquon, he experiences the bigger loss because what is the end game? You sit out, and now you extinguish all of that momentum you had fresh off of a career season. You're not getting any closer to a big-time payday. We didn't see it work out for Le'Veon Bell. It's just not going to happen. It It is the circumstance, unfortunately, that you're dealing with in this league, again, that isn't prioritizing the running back position. You can win without a big-time running back. We, we've seen it time and time again. We saw it not a couple months ago with the Chiefs. Now, granted, they have Patrick Mahomes and Daniel Jones. There's a lot of things. He is not Mahomes. 
But all around the league, we're seeing Zeke got cut after a big contract. We just talked about Dalvin Cook, who got cut. So I, I, I feel for Saquon. I just don't see that this ending with him sitting out a season, which I don't think is going to happen, but it, it, any argument constructed for him sitting out a season to me is a bad one. 800-919-3776. We'll get to the NBA in hour number two. Coming up next right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN.